Today we are continuing in our series called Rhythms. In this series, we've been talking about the rhythms of life. Uh, describe rhythms as the flow of your life. And that's probably can stop there. What is the flow of your life, right? We're going to have this week and one more week. I'm going to conclude it next week. And then, by the way, in February, we're going to start a relationship series that's going to culminate that first Saturday with a marriage conference. <clears throat> the flow of your life, the routines and habits, the quantity and obligations and events and the distance between them. Matthew 11, 28 and 30, Jesus said, come to me, get with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So in week one, we talked about how we all have way too much going on. In week two, I showed you the recipe to rest, where Jesus said, come and I will give you rest. Obviously, first and foremost, we got to come to Jesus, unload on him, but there's some practical things. I use rest as an acronym to show you about a, a, a you know, a routine and your emotions and the Sabbath, uh, you know, and, uh, and then also to conquer your thoughts. I couldn't remember what the T was. It's been a couple of weeks ago. And, and so, uh, and then last week we talked about healthy rhythms. It's actually healthy rhythms part one. And we talked about how to get into healthy rhythms emotionally and physically. So if, if you're our guest today, if you're online or if you missed any of these, um, I just encourage you to go to our website, our Facebook page, uh, YouTube podcast, any one of those, and you can catch up on any one of these messages. So today is healthy rhythms part two. Healthy Rhythms Part 2, and I want to show you how to create and maintain healthy rhythms in your time and in your finances. So we're going to start off with a verse that we read last week, but in a different translation. So if you're in uh, Third John, uh, verse 2 on your phone or your tablet or your, or your Bible, uh, I'm going to read this one in the Amplified Version this morning. It says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper. And be in good health physically. That's one of the things we talked about last week. Remember, I, he wants you to be, as, to be as, as healthy physically as we are spiritually. And he goes on to say, just as I know, your soul prospers spiritually. So he says, in every way I want you to succeed and prosper, be in good health as I know your soul prospers. So I want to start out this morning. We're going to look at the finances first. And I want to encourage you and show you how to get into rhythms of prosperity. Rhythm is prosperity. Now, as I start that out, I know that the word prosperity has become a bad word in the church over the years. It's be, amen? It's become a bad word. But, but listen, prosperity doesn't necessarily mean getting rich. And I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, okay? I believe Jesus came and died to save our souls, to redeem us and make us new. Amen? Prosperity doesn't necessarily mean getting rich. It means advancing to a healthier place than you are now. Right? That's what it means. The actual definition of prosperity is a successful, flourishing, or thriving condition, especially in financial respects. Amen? So, so that's what prosperity means. And let's read it again. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper. Right? Just as I showed you last week that, that he wants us to be just as physically healthy as we are spiritually healthy. We see in this verse that the Lord makes it clear he wants us to be successful and prosper in all areas of our lives, even financially. Amen? I don't believe the Lord wants anybody to be poor. I believe he wants us. Come on, Tony received that this morning. 
I believe he wants all of us to prosper. Again, it doesn't mean that, that we're trying to get rich. And I'm going I'm to I'm dive into it here just in a minute. But you know what? But you know what? That could be a byproduct. There's nothing wrong with being rich either. Let me say that. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. Some people, when, when I go back to Solomon, when the Lord asked Solomon, what do you want? He said, I'll give you anything you want. Riches, power over your enemies, success, all that. Solomon said, Lord, all I want is wisdom to lead your people. And the Lord granted it to him, but he also gave him riches and power. Amen? And so again, that's not the, the driving force, but prosperity just means being in a better place than you are now. Both financially, going back to even physically, emotionally, because he says, I want you to prosper in every way. Today we're honing down uh, on finances, but in every way we can be prosperous, right? We can have prosperity in our marriage. Come on, somebody. That's why we're doing a relationship series at a marriage conference. I want you to prosper in your marriage. Amen? So how do you get into a healthy rhythm of prosperity? And again, this debunks everything that you may have thought of or the wrong uh, 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 mindset of what prosperity is. The first way is you guard against greed. Guard yourself against greed. Look what Jesus said in Luke 12, 15. Beware, exclamation point. Come on, Jesus did just say, hey, you know, listen up. He said, beware. He shouted it. Guard against every kind of greed. Jesus gives us a stern warning against greed. If you want to prosper, the first thing is we need to have any kind of greed removed from our lives. Amen? And see, and that's what the, the, the wrong connotation of prosperity in the church, it, 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 it has bred greed. But Jesus makes it clear. we got to guard against every form of greed. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Right? So we got to guard our hearts against greed because if we don't if we don't guard our hearts against greed it will be the driving force of your life. You will want more. More and more and more. You know Rockefeller one of the richest men ever to live. They said how much more money do you need? He said just a little bit more. That dude had more money than he could shake a stick at and he still wanted more. That was a famous quote. He said how much more do you need to make? Just a little bit more. When there's greed breeding in you, you never have enough. But the Bible says contentment with godliness is great gain. And we're going to talk about contentment next week. So listen, I'm going to say this statement. There's my little card of notes there. God and greed don't mix. Let me say that again. God and greed don't mix. You can't have the Lord working in your life and flowing in your life if you're greedy. How do I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Jesus says it, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Well, that can mean multiple things. You're right, but look what he says. You cannot serve both God and money. We don't serve money. Money serves us, right? God has given us currency and provided for us to live so we can have clothes and we can eat. We can have lights and AC and, and vehicles and, and other things. And yes, to enjoy life, no doubt. But he says you can't serve both God and money. So the first thing to, to get in a rhythm of prosperity is you got to make sure greed's broken off your life. And look, that may be your breakthrough today. Maybe it's asking the Lord to set you free from greed. Amen? Second thing is minimize your stuff. Come on, somebody. Minimize your stuff. Some of y'all, it, it, your freedom's going to come in decluttering this year. Look what Jesus said in Luke 12, 15. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed, but we read that. Look at the second part. Life is not measured in how much you own. 
It goes back to that word. And, and I, that word the Lord gave me yesterday wasn't even in my notes, didn't have anything to do with what I was studying, but the Lord showed me, right? Our identity is in who we are, not in what we own. The more stuff you have doesn't make you better. Doesn't make you closer to God. Matter of fact, the more stuff we have usually gets in the way of our relationship with God, right? Look at this scripture. I love this. 2 Corinthians 8.15. Just as the scriptures say, those who gathered too much had nothing left. Those who gathered only a little had all they needed. Isn't that good? Those that have too much have nothing left over. But if you, if you gather only a little, what you need, I, I remember uh, Brother Larry uh, Meyer saying, you know, what I have, I need. What I don't have, I don't need. That's good right now. We need to minimize our stuff. See, in week one of the series, we talked about how we all have way too much going on. A lot of us have way too much stuff as well. And I want to encourage you to minimize your stuff, right? You don't want to end up on a reality series, do you? Right? I was wondering if that show is still airing. You know the show Hoarders I'm talking about, right? I Googled it. It went off the air, I think, like regular ones in 13. But I was flipping through the other day and I saw, hey, it's still on TV. They're still playing it, right? Come on, somebody. That's not how you want to get on TV. It's because you got too much stuff in your house, right? Come on, minimize your things. Ask the Lord, what is it that I don't need? Lord, what can I give away this year? What can I give to somebody, bless somebody? What can I just throw in the trash can? Somebody says, if you have something you hadn't used in six months or you don't plan it, then you probably should get rid of it, right? Now, I'm not, you wives, I didn't just tell your husbands to get rid of their boat because we've been in wintertime, okay? All right, let me make that clear. Some of y'all can go home and say, you ain't used that thing since, all, you know, oh, that's not, all right. Just, I just want to be clear because I don't want men calling me tomorrow either. Like, brother, I was going to take you fishing, but now my wife said, I got to get rid of my boat, you know? So, right? No, but you know what I mean, right? Things we put aside, we say, oh, we're going to use this, we're going to do that, right? Let's minimize our stuff, amen? Come on, when you give, you cannot give God. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Also, when it comes to finances, you got to create margin in your life with your finances. Get a plan to pay off bad debts such as credit cards and student loans. We got to make margin in our lives. Make margin. If you want to prosper, you got to have margin. You got to have, you can't have so much debt in your life that you can't breathe, that every time you get a check, it's like, you know, the old saying, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, Right? Isn't that right? Come on, we don't want to live that way. Look at what Proverbs 22, 7 says. A lot of you are familiar with this scripture. Some of you may not be. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Come on. Solomon then mints words with that one, right? The borrower is slave to the lender. We should only be slaves to Christ, servants of the Most High God, not slaves to our debtors, to the credit card companies or the student loans. They said student loans have actually surpassed credit card debt in America. So do what you can to get out of that. I know this is another bad word in church, but live on a budget. Some of you need to get a budget in your life, right? Listen to this. 61% of Americans do not have a budget. Over half of our country lives without a budget, just wings it in, so to speak. Like, I get paid and I'm going to just, you know, pay this, pay that, go eat, go have fun, go do that. Listen, you need to get a budget. A budget is not a financial diet, but a smart plan for your financial future. It's what Dave Ramsey says, this, a, a basic way of a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. That's what a budget is. As you get paid, you look at your bills, and you see what needs to be paid. You see you give, you tithe, you see what needs to be paid, you put some in savings. 
You have a budget. And even, even more than that, and I don't have time to get into it, but I'm going to give you a few twos of basic budgeting that you can couple websites you can go to, right? It's seeing that how much you make and how much goes out, right? We, you know, because the truth is that some people spend more money than they take in. Do you spend a, over 100% of what you make? That's how people get in debt, right? You make this amount of money, but you spend this amount every single week. And listen, sometimes we got to get on a budget to pay down debt. And there's some things that got to be sacrificed. You can't always go eat out. You may have to not take expensive of a vacation or, or do certain things like that in order to get on a budget. So you know where your money is going instead of wondering where it went. Come on, how many of y'all ever got to the end of the week and be like, how did we spend all of that money, Right. And the old saying, too, is like, well, man, I'm making more money now, but I'm still struggling. The more you make, the more you spend, right? So a budget will help you with that. Here's a couple of suggested resources, some budgeting tools. If you're not sure what a budget is, simple, you can go to everydollar.com or mint.com, M-I-N-T.com. Also, look up Financial Peace University. We used to host this class here, and we might do it later in the year. I'll see, but look up, just Google Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. I'm telling you, I, my wife and I took that class early on in marriage, learned the basics of a budget and how to get out of debt, how to save money, and how to live on a budget. Listen, y'all, budget is not a bad word. Budget is being a good steward of what God has given you. That's ultimately what budgeting is. It's being a good student. God's called us all to be good stewards, right? I pray that over my life, my family, over our church, uh, help us to be good stewards of our time, of our health, our energy, and our resources, the finances that you have given us. Amen? And then the last thing, which is really the most important, is you must give. If you want to be prosperous financially, you must give. And it all starts with tithing. Malachi 3, 8 and 10 should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. This is the Lord speaking. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Now, let me, let me pause. God didn't put a curse on him. He says you're under a curse because of what you, the lack of what you're doing. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army... I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test. Amen. The word tithe comes from the Hebrew word that means ten. It's a tenth. A, a, a tithe is ten percent of your income. Ten percent of all of your income, or as one scripture says, of your increase. Ten percent of your increase. Back then, whenever this was written, they would bring their grain, fruit, animals are money to the temple. That was the storehouse. He made it clear to the temple. So he said there was enough food there for the Levites and, and, the, and the priests to be able to do ministry. Tithing is an act of worship as old as Abraham who gave tithes to Melchizedek, acknowledging that Melchizedek was the representative of the most high God. And Abraham way back then would tithe. Some people say, well, brother, tithing is of the law. Well, actually, Jacob vowed to tithe that, uh, that he would uh, that he vowed to God that he would tithe. So tithing annotates the law of Moses. It was even before the law. And here's another one. And I haven't heard too much of, of quoted, maybe some, even Jesus himself affirms tithing. Now, come on. If you want to go against the words of Jesus, you got some issues there, brother. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, yes, or you should tithe. Yes. 
Now he does goes on and say, but don't neglect the more important things. But when Jesus said you should do something, I suggest you do it. Amen. Jesus said you should tithe. Yes. But there are other things that he was talking to the Pharisees and saying, yeah, that's good. You should tithe, but don't neglect other things. We can't tithe and treat people, uh, you know, harshly, right? Or not do other things, right? It's, it's all in one. See, in bringing the tithes and offerings, uh, back then, the people were not only supporting the ministry of the temple, but they were also giving thanks to God for his bountiful provisions for their own need. Tithing has the same two purposes today. It's the same two purposes, right? It's nice to have lights and AC when we come to church. Amen? It's to keep full-time ministry going so we can pastor the church and reach out to the community. But it's also giving thanks to God. But it also, the main thing is giving thanks for all we've been blessed with. But it's out of obedience. If you notice, it says, bring all the tithes. It doesn't say give. You know why? Because it's not mine and yours to give. It belongs to the Lord. It says, bring all the tithes. It's out of obedience. The first tenth belongs to the Lord. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Back then it's the temple. Today it is the church. See, the Lord gives us the divine invitation to put him to the test, which is our opportunity for him or his opportunity for him to prove his faithfulness and promises. You know, this is the only place in the Bible where God says to test him. In our day and age, you know what God was saying? Hey, you, you need a tithe. I dare you. I dare you to do it and see what happens. That's basically what, what the Lord was saying. He was saying, I dare you. Put me to the test when it comes to tithing. And listen, you know what? For years I had a problem, especially as a younger pastor preaching on the tithe and stuff. Like, oh man, people get funny about money and ask you to give money in church. But I've learned that over the years, I would do you a, in a, a disservice if I didn't preach on tithing. As you can see, we, we, you can look around here, we're blessed. Brother Francis and Ms. Babs for years started teaching on tithing. Brother Francis always said he wasn't a good fundraiser, that he wouldn't fundraise, he wouldn't pass the bucket. He, he said the Lord showed him if he would teach biblical tithing, he would take care of the rest. That's why we've always just had boxes on the back walls, and now you can give um, online. And you'll see today, I'm preaching on tithing, and there won't be a bucket passed today. I'm teaching you the Bible, and it's up to you to obey what the Lord says. Amen? And as you can see, since Brother Francis and Ms. Babs in 1980 till today, 40 and a half years, this church has been blessed because of the teaching of the Word of God and your obedience. So give your, your tithe first. That's out of obedience. And then next, offerings. Offerings is anything above the tithe. That's why we have like monthly missions offering. If you're new today, if you're tuning in online, we pass an offering once a month. First Sunday of the month will be in a couple of weeks. We're actually going to be picking up an offering for India. So if you want to sow into Pastor Joseph in India, I'll give you more details. You can start preparing for that. We pass the bucket once a month and not a penny of that stays in this house. It goes to either local or foreign missions. Remember last month we picked it up for the pregnancy center and clinic, which Brother Francis and Ms. Babb started to save babies from abortion. Amen. That's a good seed to sow. That's an offering there, right? And then it goes in to arms as well, which I'll give you another resource. But since God made and owns everything, let me just say this. He doesn't need anything that we can bring him. But when we obey his word and bring our tithes and offerings as an act of worship with grateful hearts, it pleases him. See, don't look at tithing as a business transaction. It's an act of worship. The same as when we lift our hands to worship. When you get on your phone, on the, on the website, or you write that check, you know what? This is the same as this when it comes to tithing. Amen? And let me give you a resource from, again, our very own Brother Francis. This was Brother Francis. One of his life's messages was on tithing, offering, and alms. And so he wrote a book called The Kingdom's Economy.
and we have some copies in the info center. They're only $7. And so I encourage you, you'll see, you'll hear Brother Francis, is, his heart and his life, he studied, and this is, you know, a lot of this where he got from the Lord. So in the info center after the service, come on, again, $7, and you'll get, and, and how precious, now that Brother Francis is with the Lord, that we still have his teachings and his writings. Amen? So I want to encourage you to go pick up this book before you leave today. If you want further understanding, I'm just hitting the, it's the tip of the iceberg, very basic, but Brother Francis dives into it uh, on, on, on all, both tithes, offerings, and alms. Amen? So that's how you get into rhythms of prosperity. Now, let's, second thing today we're going to talk about is the rhythms of productivity. And this is dealing with our time. Rhythms of productivity. Look at Philippians 1.21. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I am going, if I'm, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean productive work for me. Yet I don't know which I prefer. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He was caught up. He was torn. And his productive work he was talking about here was preaching the gospel, spreading the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul was an apostle. He was a preacher. He was a missionary. And he said, so man, I'm, I'm caught up. You know, if I live, if I die here, then I'm going to be with the Lord and that's going to be awesome. But you know what, if I stay here, then I'm going to be productive with my time and I'm going to continue to spread the gospel and all that I do. That was the context. But it shows us here too that the Lord wants us to be productive each and every day too, right? So how do you get into daily rhythms? Well, you know what? I mean, you start with daily rhythms. Time is measured in days. You know, day was the first thing that God created. So it is the building block of creation. Our days is the building block of creation. Look at Genesis 1, 3, and 5. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, then he separated the light from the darkness. God called light day and darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. So you know the way that you, you really get into a rhythm of, of, of your days? You get control of your morning by actually starting in the evening. It goes back with starting before you even go to bed is how you get control of your day. As Pastor Todd always said, man, don't, don't burn the midnight oil, you know. There's times we stay up late and whatnot, but man, I'll tell you what, you stay up half the night, you're going to be no good in the morning. For example, the Jewish day actually begins at 6 p.m., not midnight, like the way we measure it. They understand the next day actually starts in the evening. So let's kind of go through it. Early morning, and we, we hit on it in more detail about a routine the other day, but, but let's look at it. What you do first determines your priorities. Let me tell you that again. What you do first thing in the morning determines your priorities. The first part of your day is super important. It really sets the tone for your day. And that's why we hammered and I hammered and try to encourage you that it's so important. The first thing you should do is spend time with the Lord in the morning. That sets the tone for your day by getting in the Lord's presence, reading the word, praying, seeking the Lord. That really sets the tone for your day. Because here's the other side of the coin. You ever got in an argument with your spouse right before you walked out the door for work? How did that morning go for you? I know it's happened with us quite a few times. I'll be putting on my shoes and, 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 and we're not even, we hadn't been fighting or nothing, but something like, say, finances come up and I'm putting on my shoes and my wife brings something up about, I don't know, finances or the bills or something. And I'm like, got a meeting to make. So I'm trying to get out the door and everything. And we, I was like, I don't have time to talk about this right now. We get into it. And before you know it, I got in the truck and, and now I'm in a, in a huffy because me and my wife just had a little spat. And it's like, that sets the tone for the rest of my morning. Now I'm carrying that, and I know I talked to her wrong, and I need to call her, and I need to apologize to her, right? Come on, somebody. Am I the only one that's ever happened to in this building? 
Like, okay, I just thank you, Brian. I just was starting to feel like I was on an island here. Like I was maybe more holy than I was, right? But it's true. What you do first thing in the morning sets the tone for your day. And it, it really does. And so, again, it's so important when you get with the Lord first thing in the morning, you're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to hit bumps. But, man, when you get that word first thing in the morning, you get in the presence of the Lord. It's like, man, that's I remember what I read. Or, Lord, or you start singing a song you sang, you know, right? You start praying because sometimes you want to lay hands on people without praying for them, right? But don't do that. You need to pray for them. Pray for yourself. You know, some of y'all got that. Some of you will get it later. So, so that's the morning. Set your tone for your morning, a daily rhythm of time with the Lord, getting up. Maybe some of you like to exercise in the morning too, that's great. But make sure you spend time with the Lord, maybe get some exercise in before you start your day. And then the afternoon, man, this is where it can get crazy. This is where, this can be the chaos zone, right? This is where interruptions and distractions take place. This is where sleepiness, sleeplessness can begin. Um, you know, it can all thrive in the afternoon if you don't get intentional about, intentional about how you craft your day. Again, because the afternoons can be crazy. You run and pick up the kids from work. You got to do this. You got to start dinner. You got to go here. You got to go there. And it just takes one phone call or one flat tire to throw everything off, right? Or, or dinner being late. Come on, somebody. Right? Tomorrow, a lot of you are going to be ready for dinner when you get home, right? You'll be like, baby, what are we eating tonight? Throw the salad and the soup away, whatever we got left, right? I am done. Where's the ribeyes and the, and the crawfish etouffee? I don't know. So I don't mean to make you hungry. I think I'm making myself hungry now, right? But you got to be intentional and get in a rhythm in the afternoon. What is it that you want to accomplish? And then in the evenings, you know what? This is a great time for family fun and relaxation. To have some good family time. Maybe do something relaxing. Go play with the kids. Go do something fun and just to relax. And in the evening, I want to give you, and I'll give you the book you came from in a minute. It's called The Good Night Formula. I didn't come up with this, but it's 10, 3, 2, 1, and 0. This is how you can kind of formulate your night. And I knew a couple of these, but not all of them. 10 hours before bed, no caffeine. Come on, some of y'all just got mad at me right there. If you can, 10 hours before, because some people, I know like my wife, she has a cup of coffee in the afternoon, she, she ain't sleeping that night, right? I don't know, I'm, I'm a little different, you may be like me, I could drink a cup of coffee and an hour later I'm snoring, you know, I think it has the opposite effect. But if you have trouble sleeping, try to cut out the caffeine. Three hours for bed, no more food. I knew I wouldn't get no amens on that either, <laughs> especially the last day of fasting. But it's true, you know, you want your body, your food to digest, your body to settle. You ever went lay down and you had heartburn, you can't go to sleep, right? Come on, sometimes it's good. Three hours before, no food. Two hours before bed, no more work at all. Like whatever you're doing, even if you're working in the yard, I hope you already shut down your daily work. But you know what, man? Shut it down. And then this is important. I don't always hit this, and they've been saying this. One hour before bed, no more screen time. That's probably the hardest for everybody. And I'll be honest, because I'm one that when the day's over and the kids are in bed and my wife's going to take her bath, I like to watch a little TV before we go to bed. So this is this is hard, but a lot of it is, man, especially if you're on your phone, you're on Facebook, you're reading the news, that's the biggest thing, right? Because it don't, again, it seems to don't affect me. I'll be watching the news and can't make it through a 30-minute news thing and I'm snoring. But you're, if you're online on Facebook reading the news, especially in this day and age, you'll get riled up quick if you're trying to read the news right before bed, right? Come on, some of you, like, man, read the word, do something that relaxes a magazine. And then this is really for the next morning. The zero stands for the number of times you should hit the snooze button in the morning. Zero. Come on, when that thing goes off, hit it and get up. Amen? So that's, that's just a little few practical things to get into a daily rhythm. Now, weekly rhythms. I want to encourage you. Plan out your week on Sunday. 
Like Sunday night before you, you go to bed tonight. Look at your calendar if you haven't already and plan out your week. Not just your meetings during the day, but hey, plan it out. Look at what Proverbs 16.3 says. Commit your actions to the Lord. Again, we have to give all this to the Lord and ask for his help. And your plan will succeed. So it's good to have a plan, right? It says your plan will succeed. Of course, we got to ask the Lord and, and commit it to him. But make a plan. Again, plan your devotional time. Plan your exercise for the week. Plan which service you're going to come to. I know some of you in routine, you come to 9 or you come to 11, but you may have something that we go, like, oh, we're going to eat at so-and-so's house, so we might need to go to the 11 o'clock service or whatever. Plan all of that. Also, plan your recreation. You know, I heard a man say this. You know what recreation means? Recreate. How do you recreate yourself? What do you do that you enjoy doing that, that kind of like, you know, refreshes you or, or, or gives you some life. Plan your recreation. So it's not only your work, it's your time with the Lord, your exercise, when you're going to come to church, when you're going to serve, and when, when you're going to have recreation. Don't just wing it. When you wing it, you get in trouble. Winging it sends you to the ditch, right? When you wing it, your time flies away. Let me say it that way. When you wing it, your time flies away. It just, it seems like, you know what, man, I don't know what happened to this day or this week, right? Time just flew by, right? And then again, plan your day of rest. When is your Sabbath? I talked about that a couple weeks ago. That's in the recipe for rest, so I'm not going to get into it. Encourage you to listen to it. I broke out the scriptures of, of the Sabbath. We need to have the importance of the Sabbath. And just as in our finances, this is really, really important. Create margins in your weekly and daily schedule. You gotta have margin. You gotta sell yourself some time. You know why one of those times I get frustrated before running out of the door and me and my wife, would, because I didn't have any margin in my time. If I would have been early, I could have sat there and just tied my shoes and said, okay, babe, what do you want to talk about? Cause I don't have to be in my meeting for 15 minutes. When I gotta be in my meeting in two minutes and have no margin, come on, I'm confessing my sin against somebody. Y'all looking at me like, so y'all don't, y'all create margin? Or you, do you, do you run late more or hurry more? Or what do you say? How many of y'all say, man, I'm always in a rush. I'm running to my next meeting. Come on. Some of y'all being honest. Some of y'all lying in church right now. <laughs> no, but seriously, right? We need to, I need to do this. I'm, I'm, pra- I'm preaching to myself. And look, I live right down the road. Isn't it true that the closer you are to work, it seems like you have more tendency to be late? And why is that? Because you're like, oh, I just live three minutes down the road. I'll be there like that until you get a wreck, right? Or some, it's piled up. And then you're honking at the people in front of you. And it's like, it's not their fault. You should have created margin in your morning routine and left a little early for that, right? There's a pastor in Baton Rouge that he would do, uh, the governor asked him to teach him the Bible, the whole Bible in four lessons. But what an honor. He, he did that. And he said he would leave 45 minutes early to get to the governor's mansion every time he went. People said, man, why are you leaving so early? That's a meeting you don't want to be late for. He said, I'd wait in my car in the parking lot. 45 minutes, he said, because if I caught a train, a wreck, or a flat tire, right? So you might not need to leave that early. For some of you, it may actually help you, but that's another thing. Create margin in your life and in your schedule. Here's a couple of resources. The perfect day formula by Craig Valentin, The Perfect Day Formula. You can just Google that. And then Margin. Again, there's a whole book, great book written on margin. Richard Swinson wrote these books. So write these down, The Perfect Day Formula and Margin. I'm trying to give you some tools to further, you know, to, to help you get into these rhythms. So as we conclude today, as we, we, we need to get in rhythms of our money and our time and be productive, we can't take our money with us when we die. And we don't know how much time we have left on this earth. Isn't that right? 
We need to do this. We need to be good stewards of our time and our finances. But we don't know how much time we have left here. So I'm looking at two ladies that have loved ones that just recently passed. And others in here I know as well. James 4.14 says this. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Truth is, we don't, right? We have a plan, but we don't know. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Just like that. You know, King David prayed a prayer that we all should pray. And this is in Psalm 39.4. He says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. For some of us that are getting a little older, we understand this. For those of you that are a little bit younger, you think, oh man, I'm going to live forever. But you will not. None of us will, right? So we can't take our money with us and we don't know how much time we have. Listen, this life is very short, but eternity is long. Eternity is long. It will go long forever and ever and ever. And we're going to spend eternity somewhere, either with the Lord or separated from the Lord. So the best thing that you can do today, yes, get into a rhythm for your finances and your time, but the best thing you can do is prepare yourself for eternity. Because once you're prepared for eternity, even going through these, these, these rhythms here, it's more peaceful going through these rhythms. Because you know, you know what, man, I might have missed it today, I missed it tomorrow, man, I'm still struggling, but you know what? When that trumpet blows, or if I breathe my last, man, we ain't gonna have, there's a rhythm already set up for us that's gonna last for eternity. But we gotta be prepared. Do me a favor, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Even at home, if you're at home, just close your eyes, just so you can focus and concentrate. If you might have been doing something while listening to this message, just stop what you're doing. This is very important. Even Friday night, I gave people this invitation, and people responded to the gospel. The gospel means the good news. But in order to have good news, there has to be bad news. The bad news is, the Bible says, all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. But then here's the good news. Good news is that we can have eternal life, the free gift of life through Christ Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood as an innocent man, the pure and spotless lamb, the Bible calls him. So we can be forgiven, can live free, and spend eternity with him. So nobody looking around, please don't even look at me in this moment. Could you just bow your head with me? And just say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm ready for eternity. I don't know if I'm prepared for eternity. People ask, are we living in the end times? Well, I think we are, but you know what? Are we in the last days? I'm not sure. We probably are, but is it, it could be your last day. That's probably the most important question you can ask yourself today is, what if this was my last day? Where would I spend eternity? If you're not sure, you can be sure today by repenting of your sins and turning to Christ and making him your Lord and Savior. Say, Brandon, I'm not sure that I'm ready for eternity. I'm prepared, but I want to get prepared today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Just, just I see your hand, sir, over here. Anybody else on my left? See hands going up right here in the front. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? I'm going to give you just a minute. In the middle right here, I see your hand, young man. Thank you, Lord. Always love to see young people making a decision to receive Christ. Anybody else? Again, people did this Friday night during our worship service. Even at home, if that's you, just slip up your hand, lift it up high. You might want to lift both hands right now and say, Lord, I need to get right with you. I see your hands. Their hands still going up. Now the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Come on, just pray with me. We're going to pray this all together as a family. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. And thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I turn away. I repent today. And I turn to you. And I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, would you save me today? Fill me with your spirit. And give me the grace I need to live for you all the days of my life. However many those are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Amen and amen. Hey, well, congratulations if you prayed that prayer either in here or online. For the first time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Go ahead and fill out that card. Bring it to the info center. We got a Bible for you. We want to help you with some resources. We want to pray for you. For the rest of you, why don't you stand up? And come on, let's, let's close this time of prayer and fasting and this time uh, together this morning. Uh, and just ask God to help us to continue to get into rhythms in our life. Amen. The rhythms of grace, as the Bible calls it. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, you may be struggling right now with either one of these, and I don't want to, you know, specify what it is for you, but if any one of these spoke to you, say, Brandon, I need to get into a rhythm of, of, of prosperity, a rhythm of productivity, just lift your hands, and I want to pray for it this morning. Either one, just lift up your hands. Father, I pray for all these with their hands raised this morning. Whether, Lord God, they need to get into a rhythm financially or with their time and productivity. Lord, I pray that these things that were spoken today from your word, that you would, Lord God, just impart it in them and give them the grace and the strength that they need. Lord, the wisdom. Lord, again, we make our plans, but you direct our steps. You said if we commit these things to you, our plans would succeed. So, Lord, we commit our lives, Lord God, our time, our finances, our health, our wholeness, our relationship, our marriages, and our soul to you today help us to get into healthy rhythm so we can glorify you and further the kingdom of God here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day. Hey, we want to continue to hear about some awesome testimonies. If God did something mighty in your life during this time of prayer and fasting, let us know. If not, God bless and enjoy your lunch wherever you go.